Hey everybody, it's the Waiting for Next Year.com podcast. I'm your host, Craig Lindell, and this is a solo edition of the podcast because I want to talk about the Browns and JJ Watt. Um, first, I want to let you know that the Waiting for Next Year.com podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. They are a local Cleveland podcast network featuring tons of shows, including The Nail in the Coffin, Cleveland and Beyond with Andy and Jared, um, and all the other great podcasts that we love to be associated with here at Waiting for Next Year. So J.J. Watt escapes the Houston dumpster fire. First of all, let's talk about how nice it is that Cleveland is not the most problematic football team in the offseason. They're not the ones with the fired coaches and um, hiring the team chaplain to, to take on more responsibilities. I mean, we've been there. You can talk about the Sashi Wars all you want, but the fact is that the Browns elevated a team attorney to personnel. Um, it was a questionable move, and you can argue that it worked. I know a lot of you will. I don't want to get into it, but the, the point is that the Browns are not that team right now. They're not the team that has all the controversy that's alienating players like J.J. Watt and, and franchise quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson they're, the Browns are, are now in talks to be among the teams expressing interest in J.J. Watt. And it, it might, I'll, I'll explain it so it doesn't, it doesn't end up being a hot take, but my hot take is that the Browns don't need J.J. Watt. Um, I don't know. So first of all, the Browns are doing the right thing. They're doing their due diligence. They're talking about it. They're inquiring about it. Because there's no denying the fact that bringing J.J. Watt in to the Cleveland Browns would make the defense better. It would provide another person on that defensive line to draw attention. It would make a double team, triple team of Miles Garrett that much more problematic for opposing, opposing offensive lines. It, it would create scheme issues, which is exactly what you're looking to do when you feel the defense. But... But J.J. Watt is 32 or 31. He's going to be 32 next year. He's missed more than 10 games uh, twice in the last five years. He played half the season in 2019. He played the full 16 games in 2018 and 2020. But, you know, betting on defensive players, disruptive players on the defense over the age of 30 it's not real good business. J.J. Watt made a lot of money in Houston, and maybe he doesn't care about making money now, but in a football team where you have a finite number of resources, the idea that you would be investing serious amounts of time and money in a guy who's over the age of 30, it's not, it's not smart business. It's not how you build a team. It's not best practice. So I'm not saying it can't work. I'm not saying that he wouldn't make the defense better. He would. I'm just saying there's some risk to it. There's some downside risk to it. The other thing about J.J. Watt, I, personally, I don't like him. Um, and I know that may come as a shock because he says all the right things. He does all the right things. He, he He's like Captain America, practically. So the idea that you wouldn't like him seems maybe you would accuse me of being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. I just find him corny. I just find I find him corny. 
Um, I, I don't, I don't know. He, but the the real point, regardless of how I personally feel about the guy, is that he he is a star. He does suck up a lot of the oxygen in a room. He has the ear of the league. He he dominates the news cycle whenever he wants to by talking. And I'm just I'm not sure that that's such a good fit on a a young team that's trying to establish itself with Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett. I mean, it could work. Uh, I, I trust Kevin Stefanski to make it work, but I, I kind of feel like it's weird. It's, and maybe it's just strange that he has left Houston, uh, a place that he kind of became synonymous with that city and that team. Um, I mean, that, that happens when you play in a city for 10 years. Uh, I, so I have trouble seeing it working, like from from that aspect as well. I, I'm not sure how well it would go over to have J.J. Watt come in and dominate the conversation when he's just not on that that part of his career anymore. And and of all people, maybe he's the one who can put his ego aside and go after uh, the ring, go after the 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 trophy. Um, go ring chasing and, and put his ego to the side and play the play the role perfectly. I mean, if you were going to bet on anybody to play the role perfectly, he's he's been that guy, um, no matter how corny I find it to be sometimes. <laughs> um, but I, I don't I don't know. I just don't I don't see it. I don't see the need for it. And if I'm the Browns, I'm certainly looking into it, but I'm spending far more time on free agents and the draft where I can identify defensive players who are part of the plan for the next five years. I want to invest salary cap dollars in 2021 to prepay a guy who's going to be productive for the better part of the next decade. If we, if you can find that guy, it's about resources. It's, it's about bandwidth and certainly it's it's kind of like creating an all-star team to think about JJ Watt across from Miles Garrett. But is he going to be is he going to be able to stay healthy? Is he going to be able to deliver what what the Browns want him to deliver in a way that they want him to to deliver it? I mean, whenever you're paying a guy in the NFL who's over the age of 30, you're paying him for what he did in the past. His reputation was built in the early part of the 2010s, you know, as a rookie, as uh, in 2012, he had 20 and a half sacks. In 2014, he also had 20 and a half sacks. Um, he's been productive since then, of course, but he's not, he's not going to do that again. The idea that he's ever going to be that player uh, I mean, I guess if he ever had a chance to do it again, it would be while he's starting opposite Miles Garrett. But the chances of him ever being that guy ever again are not that not that high. You know, when you when you find a 25 year old who's coming off his rookie contract and projects to get even better, and you you put that guy across from Miles Garrett, not only are you answering a question for the next three, four, five years. You're doing so at a price that pays them 
for what they're going to do more than what they used to do or what they have done in the past. And that's, that's where the Browns need to be. Um, they're not mutually exclusive. Maybe the Browns can sign one of those guys and maybe JJ Watt takes a, a real small deal to be, to be a role player for the Browns. Um, and a very important role player. Maybe it's the storybook ending. I just uh, I see all this stuff on Twitter, and I see people coveting J.J. Watt and recruiting him and, and photoshopping him in a Browns jersey and all these different things, and I just feels a little bit desperate. It, it feels a little bit like who the Browns used to be more than who they are today. Um, and... I mean, good on them for doing their due diligence, but I just don't, I don't see it. I don't want to see it that badly. Um, in in uh, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, we trust, I guess, but um, I I don't know. I don't know. It it seems like uh, there might not be enough oxygen in the room for all those egos and all those heads. All right, so by the, by the time you're hearing this, you've ignored yet another Cavaliers West Coast basketball game, and it's probably perfect, actually. Uh, they absolutely stink right now. The, the Cavaliers have nothing to hang their hat on. Uh, who would have thought that Larry Nance Jr. was ever going to be this important to a team? I love the guy. Obviously, everybody, I think, loves Larry Nance Jr., but the love for him in terms of uh, in terms of, of watching basketball is more about who he is as a guy, as a glue guy, and not so much like he's the next coming of, of an NBA all-star. Um, and so it's, it seems counterintuitive that missing Larry Nance Jr., while he's an important player, would cause the team to fall this far this fast, especially defensively. But they're an utter disaster right now. Ever since... Colin Sexton kind of had his coming out party, the the big the big star moment, hitting the big shots and playing the crazy defense. It seems like this team just uh, stopped playing, stopped playing the same way, stopped defending. And we think of defending as more of like uh, an effort and a hustle skill than it is a pure, um, a pure skill. You know, it's not like either you can shoot the ball or you can't. Defense is, is a lot of it is effort. And so when the Cavaliers can't defend the three or giving up a million points per game, it's easy to look at it and just wonder, you know, what's going on with their effort. Now they're on a West Coast trip. It's the worst trip of the year. We always knew February was going to be awful for the Cavaliers. So I'm not particularly surprised I'm also kind of happy that it's on the West Coast because I can ignore it a little bit more. It's past my bedtime. I don't have to go to a, a strenuous effort to kind of stay up and watch this awful, awful team right now. Um, so we always knew there were going to be ups and downs with this team. They were they were a borderline um, end of end of the playoff seed kind of a, a team. So we got to remain patient with them. You know, this team was never the team of destiny. It was never the one. This was always going to be a team before the team or a team before the before the before the team. Um, it was never going to be the one that was going to take us over the top. So tough lessons. 
tough lessons for these Cavaliers as they uh, get their butts handed to them on a nightly basis on the West Coast. It's tough. West Coast trips are tough, and uh, they're they're making it look even tougher. So it's okay. I, I don't know. Uh, the Cavaliers have some moves to make. The Andre Drummond experience appears to be over soon. Larry Nance is hurt for the next, I don't know, four or five more weeks. And even then, we'll see how fast he can come back. Um, a lot of time left, a lot of basketball to be played. Uh, and if this team doesn't make the playoffs, it's not its not a catastrophe. It'd be kind of nice if they did to get that experience. But if they don't, if they end up tanking um, the rest of the season, not tanking like on purpose, but tanking in terms of just not being able to win games, um, it's not the end of the world. Well, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. All right. I I promise we will have more baseball talk as well. I leave a lot of room for the Dairy Brothers because they're uh, way better at the whole baseball talk thing than I am. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll sneak in and and steal a Dairy Brother for a podcast one of these days. Um, thanks so much for listening. I want to make sure that you guys know our Discord. Our Discord channel is alive and well. It's uh, unprecedented levels of interaction. It's really fun. It's a fun place to talk about Cavs games when they're going down. It's a fun place to talk about Browns free agents and different things without uh, some of the negativity of maybe Twitter and Facebook and other bigger social media channels. It's, it's our little walled garden, but you're invited in. So check out our Discord. Also, if you can, support us. Support the podcast and the website on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash WFNY, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash WFNY. That gives you access to a special Discord channel and uh, unprecedented access to Waiting for Next Year and its writers, and it helps keep the site going. So thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. It's been the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.